This is the New Year's episode. We're going to get into 13 health and fitness considerations to be careful about in 2024. Everything from diet to nutrition and in between, there might even be a couple of bonus considerations in there for you. As we get off into the new year, I just want to remind you, Again, all of these episodes are brought to you by Red Dot Fitness training products and programs. We do all kinds of stuff here. If you're looking to live better, perform better, and feel better, you can go to rdftrainonline.com. Maybe get involved in a personal training program, use one of our self-guided programs like RDF Strong, Max, or Feel You, or you can get involved in our online membership, which actually has seven fitness programs built inside, and it gives you direct access to us the staff or the coaches here 24-7. Go to rdftrainonline.com. That's rdftrainonline.com. Welcome to Iron Sights. This podcast candidly seeks to create opportunities and deliver impact by sharing the experiences and wisdom of successful entrepreneurs and thought leaders who unapologetically aim to win in health, fitness, business, and life. I'm your host, Scott Howell. Welcome to Old School Meets New School. Tradition meets innovation, and imperfection meets excellence. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Things to look out for in 2024, weight loss, drugs. Dude, this whole, this whole thing with Ozempic right now is driving me driving me bonkers. Doesn't seem to be any slowing it down. No, <laughs> it's slowing it down. There's, I, don't think, I think it's impossible to slow it down. What do you think slows it down? Uh, some severe adverse side effects. Well, that doesn't typically happen though when they <laughs> when they release these sort of these drugs. Been, out what's going to slow it down? Accessibility to it when <laughs> everybody's been buying it. <laughs> taking oh, no, it off I, the shelf. I don't think that actually slows down the supply. Just <laughs> oh, not the yeah. supply, but as far as that'll be planned, right? <laughs> to up the demand. But to but to your point, like yeah, I mean, have we had? I mean, is there any history of people of these drugs having like these weird side effects though? weren't quote unquote weren't known about when they started that'd be weird yeah i mean yeah there might it might have occurred once or twice so i think the things that are coming up like mm-hmm. people need to be aware of because if they haven't heard they're gonna and they're and it might not be the folks that listen to this show it's going to be their moms their aunts uh their sisters and i and and i and whoever their cousins their brothers their uncles or whatever else that are hearing about this stuff and it's generally being played up in the media and most you know it folks that are very, very in tune with their, with their health and wellness. Uh, I, I'd like to believe spend a little bit more time researching shit, uh, before they start putting in their body, but like these weight loss drugs, this will semi-glutide, right. As, as the sort of the, the base level the of all this, yeah. the catch all yeah. and all the things that are being turned into Wagovi, you know, all this stuff, this is only going to continue and it's going to start to turn into a supplement that says it does the same thing. This is your natural version of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, which will probably, I mean, that's a whole other topic just getting into, into supplements. But uh, I, I encourage people to kind of keep an eye on what's going on with this in the back end because it, it it seems to get a little quiet and then somebody will release an article and it kind of ramps up, up again, but it's quickly silenced. I think we're going to see some really bad shit come out of this. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing folks lose a ton of weight and we already know a good percentage of that weight is muscle mass. We already know what that does, you know, uh, with regard to the aging population. I was going to say longevity. And longevity. So I think we'll see some things this year on this where people are going to get start getting themselves in some health trouble. They will have been on it long enough where the side effects of that drug are the- Start to manifest. Yeah. They start to manifest. Yeah. 
and uh, within the year. And then by the end of the year, we'll, we'll see some other things. Those, those pesky side effects, like weird things, like, oh, I don't know, heart palpitations, uh, you know, myocarditis, brain tumors, uh, you know, that kind of shit. But I think that's a little further down the line, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Mark my words, we will be talking about this inside 2024. Some type of fallout. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't, wouldn't doubt it. For sure. You guys remember Fen Fen? Mm-hmm. So you might not, Steven. I don't time, know. Yeah. A little bit before your time, but it was yeah. the same thing, man. And all of a sudden people were, or, or <laughs> were catching a bad case of the heart attacks and stuff <laughs> like that. And then, oh, maybe we shouldn't have put this stuff out there, but fucking people were eating it up because, mm-hmm. you know, yep. weight loss. So, yeah, I think by the end of this year, we're going to, or by the, by the end of 2024, I think what we're going to end up, we're going to end up seeing is some really nasty stuff. So for the, like going back to your, your, your family members or whatever, they may want to, they may want to, to, to take a deep dive into this stuff before they start going down that path. Even though the, 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 the grass on the other side might look a little greener. Uh, I don't think so. What's the exit strategy? That's mm-hmm. the answer. That's, that's, the, that's the question that still has not been answered. Yeah. Great question for, for anybody that's considered cool. What's your exit strategy? Yeah. 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 Supplements. I mean, we talk about them all the time, and and oftentimes they are sensationalized. Yeah, we try to stay new. It's not new. That's that's been going on forever. I think people are getting a little smarter around them. Uh, it's just interesting. Like the ones that we do know do a good job. They just seem to be getting that much more attention and sensationalized that that much more. Uh, but I think that's a good thing. And in, in, in some sense, like we go back to like the creatine, which was, you know, we did an episode on creatine earlier this year. It was one of the most popular episodes we had, most listened to episodes that we had. Um, the great part about that particular one is, and I think it's worth sensationalizing at some level is the cognitive benefits that, that come out of there. But that's like a exception to the rule. Yeah. I mean, I think there are supplements that, yeah, I think overall the supplement industry is evolving and I think the quality of the products is getting better. And I think there are genuine innovations that are happening that are positive, but it always boils down to the fact that supplements are supplementary. Mm -hmm. And I, I will continue to say that. And I always say that supplements are supplementary. They are not meant to be the bulk of your strategy. They are meant to be something to plug gaps, something to fill the margins, something to maybe give you just a little bit of an extra push, a little bit of an extra edge when you're already doing the, you know, the macro things, namely your macros and calories and movement and, you know, the, the true big rocks. And then supplements can come in to kind of plug gaps, but they're not going to be the number one answer to anything that you're doing. Yeah. They're not going to make you healthy, healthier. They're not going to make you stronger. They're not going to make you faster, bigger, anything like that. They can enhance some of the other things that you're already doing or to your point, fill, fill gaps. I think we're going to see a, a little bit of an uptick in this going into the first year. Cause I, what I'm starting to see is some of the bigger supplement companies put a little bit more money into the marketing aspects for whatever the reasons are. I don't know if it's moving more online. And so they're, and more out of the retail stores. And so they're recognizing they can cut out that middleman and they can kind of figure this out. I'm not entirely sure, but I'm seeing like some of the bigger names and I'm not going to drop those names because we don't, we don't sell those names, uh, you know, and, or, or have partnered with any of them. I'm starting to see a lot of stuff, you know, coming around that. And it's, it's going to be the first of the year here pretty quick. So I think people are going to see that look, protein is protein. Creatine is creatine. Um, some interesting studies just dropped on the whole, uh, amino acid thing, uh, you know, taking branch chain aminos and whatnot. So I, 
you know, we'll, we'll probably see some different things there. Nootropics, uh, you know, all the, those things have, have, have come up and, you know, continue to stay kind of at the forefront of the talk. But I'd be just be careful. Like there's nothing new that's really going to come out. Like that, that's my prediction. We're not going to see anything new. We're just going to see it marketed new. Boxed differently. Yes, yeah, it's going to be yeah. boxed yeah, differently. Yeah, I mean, what I'm seeing is kind of, yeah, there are improvements being made upon things that have already existed. You know, like berberine comes to mind. I forget the name off the top of my head now, but there's like a new form of berberine that is supposed to be more bioavailable, things like that, like improving bioavailability, improving the effectiveness of things that we've already identified as potentially beneficial. So those are innovations that I think are are genuine, but again, it's always a matter of your uh, of framing your expectations properly or managing your expectations properly. Well, I mean, this might be a little contradictory, but Jesus, there's so much information out there to be had. Like I, I, I pride myself and I like to think that we pride ourselves on trying to keep it simple wherever we can. We do take deep dives and maybe go into the rabbit hole and stuff, but trying to keep it simple. And in order to do that, I think you have to take in a lot of information to understand how to simplify things a little bit for maybe the, the person that just needs it simplified, not dumbed down, but simplified because gosh, dang, man. I, I mean, I see there's some folks out there that are very popular and I highly respect them, but it's just so much, right? And people are investing so much time and in listening to these and digging into these long, long podcasts or whatever on a particular topic, a particular diet, food, supplement, drug, whatever. And I mean, how much, is, how much do you really need in order to take away the simplification of it from wherever you are in life and however that applies to you? Uh, God, just, I'm watching just going, guys, we, we should probably just back off of the consuming all of that and spend a little bit more time on the basic stuff. But I mean, yeah, or on executing some of these things. Mm -hmm. I think that, yeah, we, a lot of people are, you know, we have unprecedented access to information. There's more than enough information. I think that is, you know, most of my clients that I'm working with, I, I have, I know that they have a pretty good idea of what a good food choice is or what the, yep. you know, they have the information. Their struggles is with executing. Their struggles is with consistency. Their struggles are with implementing this information. There's not a shortage of like, I don't know what to do. I don't know mm -hmm. where to begin. Mm -hmm. um, the only reason they don't know where to begin is because they have so many fucking options as far as where to begin based on the amount of information they've consumed the, the struggle is implementation and execution. Yeah. And it starts with having, you know, maybe having an, uh, an elevated level of self-confidence in terms of your knowledge of stuff and that, uh, you know, something, some little, you had a little success here somewhere. So if I just know more about this, it'll somehow help me be better at doing it. That can be any further from the truth in terms of my experience. Like knowledge, knowledge is important, but at some level, there is going to be a point of diminishing returns for you if you're not actually executing the thing or you've, you've biased yourself into some like self-diagnosis of something or deep into this rabbit hole in this one thing where one particular topic or thing, like all of a sudden that becomes your supreme focus for a while, which takes away from the other big rocks in your, in your life or more specifically the execution of the thing in itself. Like how much more do we need to know about sleep? Yeah. <laughs> How much more do we need to talk about sleep? What's important? You need to get some. Get yeah. yeah. What's the, what are the keys with that? It needs to be quality. What are the things that we know impact that? Yeah. The cortisol imbalance thing is a little bit of a thing. How much do you need to know about cortisol? 
again, like we could keep going down the, the keep going down this path. Like, so what are the what are the basic information that somebody could be taking away? This information and the amount of it that's just flooding the airwaves. I get that you're looking for a smart conversation or you're looking to maybe gain like a trick or something like that. I don't think there's a lot of lot of that in there for the 99.999% of the people, what they need to be doing is focusing on the basics and not, not thinking that just because they may hear it and therefore assume that they know it, that it's somehow going to make their situation better. Uh, stop searching for the answers in the niches there and stick to the basics. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you might, you might be surprised at the actual result that you, you get out, you get out of it. Now, like I said, there's a lot of those guys I really love that are out there doing it. Um, and, and, uh, I will go there, but I'm not spending my days, you know, digging into this stuff. The days are spent like getting through the fucking day, right? <laughs> like, let's just do the basic stuff. Um, then maybe we go down that path. So yeah, I'd be careful about like that's podcasting, you know, uh, YouTube, uh, social media, all that, all really. that information is just coming at us at a million miles an hour right now. Maybe a little less of that and a little bit more of sticking to the basics. I mean, fast food can be as healthy as you need or want it to be. It depends on where you go and what you do. I mean, it's interesting how people categorize, you know, fast or healthy fast food. Uh, you mentioned before, Stephen, I mean, what are your macro needs? What are your caloric needs and things like that? And then we start looking at that first and then we can break down like, well, what might you be onboarding with all that stuff when you look at fast food? Generally speaking, it's in a lot of re in a lot of ways, it's fast for a reason because it's pumped full of preservatives. It's pumped full of some level of chemicals, you know, in order to, to keep it from going bad, to make it easy to prepare, uh, pre-cooked, oiled in a bag, mm -hmm. just re reheated, things like that. Uh, so there's not a lot of control in the, you know, controls in the process, but that, that, I mean, you could compare that against something that isn't fast food that is equally quote unquote unhealthy or chock full of preservatives or whatever, however we're going to, we're going to rate, uh, that, you know, what is healthy and what isn't. Um, I think the, the, my, my, my thing is always going to be the more you prepare your own stuff or, you know, have, have some control over it, the, the better it is. So if you can go to a fast food restaurant that gives you some flexibility or at least some, some control of that, that's good. You know, like standing in the line, I know this will abhor people, but standing in the line in Subway, at least you, at least you can decide what's going on in your sandwich. Now yep. what's in the actual ingredients, you don't have control over, but you can control how much of those ingredients Go on your sandwich mm -hmm. as an example. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a that's a good example. I mean, and uh, you know, Chipotle is a pretty good example as well. And that you can at least see what's what's happening in mm -hmm. front of you. you uh, it's being somewhat prepared in front of you. And in, you can, in the case of Subway, like, I mean, how much can some tomatoes or lettuce or spinach be yeah. like altered? Yeah. Uh, you know how how I mean, maybe I would be surprised, but um, but yeah, uh, you know, I guess to you know, what determines healthy fast food? Yeah. Like how much is it altered? How much extra shit is in there that, you know, is close to whole food as you can get, you know, and you can choose accordingly, you know, based on where you're going. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of direction you can go other than that. It's like, you never, you don't, you don't know what's actually in that stuff. I mean, and I mean, you could also say that about the food that you're buying from the grocery store. I try to, so I try to know what, what's going into me. I do a lot. We do a lot of work and have a lot of, put a lot of vigilance and due diligence into the foods that we choose. So we don't typically go out and we're almost never eating fast food. I mean, I can't remember the last time that happened. However, I can I, with spars with brew. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, she got some Burger King patties on the last road trip I was on. Uh, <laughs> she was stoked. She was so pumped. I bet. Uh, but that said, like, I, you know, you don't, you know, because of those things, because we control so much, I don't really worry about whether it's quote unquote healthy or not. If I was to eat it, it's just like, if this is what we decided to do, this is what we're doing, what it, it comes with the territory. But again, I think the general rule of thumb is wherever, wherever you're going, if you can control what's going on at some level, that can help you, you know, meet the goals, meet the needs, stay away from some of the stuff, get more of the stuff that you want, you know, or, or need, uh, you know, to, to suit yourself. Uh, I, and if you ask me where the best places are, I don't have an answer for you because I just don't frequent there. Like, I, we just don't go to those spots. I mean, I'm sure people have stuff. Somebody asked us that this, a similar question was before, like, what would you choose if you're going to eat it? I think I said In-N-Out Burger. Uh, and it's not because I think they're the best burgers in the world, but uh, there's... I don't know. There's like some tradition in it or like a nostalgia in it for me from when I was a kid and used mm-hmm. to go a lot. Like it, it doesn't taste bad. That's for damn sure. <laughs> um, but it's not because I have like this, oh my God, it's the best shit ever. It's not like that for me. So I, for some people, they have their their okay. things. That's that's not mine. But it's as healthy as you, you can keep it as healthy as you want to be. I think that's the that's the key. Go someplace where you can, you know, or where, where you can put it together on your own the best you can or take stuff off or or whatever. You have some idea what's in it. Yes. Yeah. That question is, you know, just kind of one of those. If you're eating fast food frequently, it's likely because you've missed the other big rock or one of the big rocks, which is number one, potentially understanding how much you need of whatever macronutrients and things like that, but more specifically planning and pre-planning, you know. Uh, however, you know, to each his own, do your thing. <laughs> experimental drug retreats. Uh, I think what I've, well, gosh, in the last couple of years, I've seen a lot of these, these uh, weekend retreats or camps where people are going to kind of um, figure out a little bit more about themselves, maybe deal with some, some, uh, some deeper rooted, uh, maybe emotional or mental traumas, or just kind of break through in places in life, try to understand things a little bit better. I think there's a, a psychological component, a physiological component, a spiritual component that often goes into these things. And I think they've been popularized very specifically in the last few years, particularly in the genre that we kind of cover across the board because of the benefits when we say experimental drugs, there are many things I think people could relate to this, uh, but you know specifically what I'm talking about are some of the treatments that people are going through with uh, things like psilocybin, uh, drugs called ibogaine, or or excuse me, substance called ibogaine, uh, ayahuasca, ayahuasca, yeah, th- things of that nature. Uh, A little ketamine here and there. Yes, I like to party. Right there's there's those things. <laughs> Uh, MDMA even is being used in some of these things. And the science is pretty clear on a lot of cases. And there's always going to be an argument here that those things can be extraordinarily helpful uh, and beneficial for certain individuals based on their very specific needs and when they're in a very guided and safe space. Uh, And I've been through my own experience. uh, And I, I can tell you it was a very positive experience, but it's also, it can also be very scary and, you know, if we, if we, if we take a, a side trip, pun intended from the, you know, thinking it of, it of it as a, as a, um, uh, like a, a retreat and we just look at it as, is like, there's also, and we, there is history around people, uh, using certain substances and for lack of a better term, coming out the other side, really fucked up. Um, <laughs> and likely that's because they were, they were kind of fucked up before they got there and, or there was 
dosage issues or whatever else. I'm not in a position to even talk about that. But man, I've seen a lot of that come up. It bothers me because I think people are jumping in to maybe be part of the crowd or they're jumping in because they think if I go to one of these things, I'm going to be cured, quote unquote cured, and things are going to get all better. Some kind of revelation. Yeah. It's like choosing a fitness program based on, you know, very, very little information and whatnot. I, I don't know. That's, that's my take. That one kind of fires me up. Well, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, that people are always just looking for a quick answer or like some, uh, some, of, especially in Western society, we can adulterate everything, everything. <laughs> including, including like enlightenment and like, well, yeah, I want to be enlightened. That sounds great. But how do I do it faster? How do I do it without actually doing any of the personal work that it requires because this is meant to be like a lifelong journey. How could I take some drugs? Cause we love just taking some drugs and trying make, to fix something and making it better and yeah. jumping in an ice bath. Right? <laughs> yeah. How, how can I take some drugs and in one day solve all my trauma and have some enlightenment experience or some revelation where now I'm a new person and I don't have problems anymore because I met my fucking spirit coyote or yeah. something. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't have like a ton to add on it. I mean, I guess, you know, yeah, for some people, you know, the, the psychedelic treatment can certainly be, uh, beneficial, um, when, yeah, like you said, administered in a controlled and safe environment. I think you would have to be very, um, cautious as to who you are mm-hmm. getting your, uh, substances from mm-hmm. and who, who your shaman is or whomever that you're doing this with. Um, cause I'm sure there's a lot of grifting going on in that space. So I would be a little bit suspicious. Um, I would be a lot suspicious really. So do your research. Yeah. Overtraining. Well, uh, it's something that, you know, I, I think a lot of people that might even be listening to the show going like, come on, do we, are most people really overtraining? And the answer to that question is, well, it depends on how you're looking at things. And I think most, more specifically, people end up being under recovered. Mm -hmm. And that's a combination or as a result of training uh, and nutrition and sleep when I, when we say recovery, so they're under recovered and also this is not something that just kind of happens in an, like an acute sense. This is usually something that's a little bit more chronic and cumulative over time. So could you relate being under-recovered in some cases to being overtrained? Yes, but that's not always the case. So I think it's important how we, we, we use that term overtrained in context. However, I will tell you that I think most people based on their goals, right? And their, and their, their quote unquote goals and needs I think they train way too much. Mm-hmm. They're they're often choosing the more is better principle when they could get they could get better gains, right, and better results, and not be in that recovery debt that we talk about so much on the show. If they trained less, they yeah. just applied the concepts better. You know, I um, am listening to the Casey Glass uh, episode that you and um, she did. That was great. You both talked about that in there. And I would recommend people listening to that podcast because you both talked about how sometimes less is more. And just because you think that you need and being emotionally tied to your workouts and just because you think you need to do more, that doesn't necessarily show uh, when you look at the metrics or the data that more is better. Yeah. uh, Episode 128, Casey Glass, uh, 
she's war, war, war fighter, uh, health and performance is her handle on Instagram. Yeah, she is, she was awesome and she works with high achievers. You know, mm-hmm. she works with people in the, in the special operations community, very specifically. These are not people that are trying to get in. These are people that are in that and are active and are doing a lot already. And so, uh, to, to your point, like that, that program needs to be managed very specifically. Now, if you look at the average individual, um, you know, they got life to, to they work. They got, you know, all the things going on in life, they have to balance. Training is often used as like kind of that outlet, you know, and I get, trust me, I totally get that. But I think if you look at your goals um, and what it is that you're actually trying to, to achieve, there's a lot of other things you could be doing. And, but an overtraining can sneak in there. It's not something that happens necessarily all the time, but I'd be, I'd be worried of that as you're going to next year, really examine your, your program, examine the gains the gains that you are, you aren't getting like, what do we have any measurable data to say that working out, you know, at this level, at this rate, this many wads per week, this, all this mileage is really getting you what you want. And so going back to that episode, as well as some of the other episodes we've had, we did the one on heart rate training and things like that. Like if you stepped back and you actually measured, prove to me that the training that you're doing is giving you the result that you really need and want. And that if you didn't train it, train differently or apply these other principles, you couldn't get a better result. Um, that, that, that's, I think was sort of a, a good point a good portion of that podcast. So yeah, overtraining in, in 2024. Uh, I just think that's something we all always need to be aware of, but, uh, especially out of the gate. I don't know if you want to add to that, Steven. Yeah. I mean, I think that out of the gate, I think that that would be, you know, a, a common pitfall, uh, that, you know, we're, we're all gung ho for the first, you know, four to six weeks of the year that we're going to build Rome and then we're burned out real quick because we, we, we got out the gate way too fast and now we're beat up. Now we're sore. Now we're injured, et cetera. And now, you know, consist at the end of the day, consistency is, is the, the name of the game. So yeah. Don't consistently beat yourself up. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you should be consistently doing, giving yourself the minimum effective dose to get the maximum yeah. result and most benefit of what it is you're putting in. Consistently moderate, as boring as that sounds. (laughs) A retailization of quote-unquote medical treatments. Mm -hmm. I think we made that word up. Uh, Retailization. I love it. Yeah. I'm going to take credit for the coining of that term. Okay. Okay. Do it. You got it. You got it. So with that, I'm going to put it in your... Put it on your side of the table. I think it just... uh, I think it just refers to, you know, a lot of these kind of... I don't want to call them like third parties, but these types of like clinics or services that are existing outside of your uh, traditional hospital or doctor's office, things that are online primarily, or yeah, just kind of these like specialized clinics where it's like, we're kind of a medical practice, but then you also just pay us cash for whatever drugs you're looking for. A lot of gray area. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, I think that's kind of what we're, you know, I'm, I would think I was, I was watching TV the other night and there was, uh, yeah, one of these types of companies or clinics, like we're a a healthcare provider and now we're, you know, we now can offer Mm semi-glutide and it's, you know, and then you see the fine print is, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the drugs or the products are not included with the services. This is just something that you're paying out of pocket for. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a way to kind of circumvent the traditional medical system Mm -hmm. um, where you may need a prescription for this or that. Like, well, yeah, just, you know, you just 
just pay us and you'll get what you're looking for. You got it. Yes, yeah, yeah. so I've seen it too online as far as like for um, medical creams where you typically would go to your practitioner and they would prescribe something for you, let's say for um, dark spots on your skin or whatever, and you can use this cream and it helps it to go away. And anymore, you can get online, you can fill out a survey and somebody will review it on the other end and then write a script for it and then send you your product in the mail. Without having to see like an actual dermatologist exactly. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Shit's wild. I mean, we, we're seeing it you know, very much so in like the, the longevity community, rejuvenation clinic type thing. It would started like there were actual clinics, right? In certain areas and, you know, places like Florida are the Mecca for this, okay. Las Vegas, Southern California. Mm-hmm. And now it's just kind of everywhere. And now you can do it online is basically what we're looking at. Things like you mentioned semiglutide, the, all the peptides that are being sold out there, even, you know, testosterone, testosterone replace, yeah. replacement, all that stuff. You can literally just get online and it's going to be getting, it's very lucrative and people are making a lot of money on it. And, you know, I, I might have some, some things to say about that. This is not necessarily a bad thing because it puts the access to some of these things um, in the hands of the people that really need them based on where they may be logistically or some of the things they may be challenged with or limited by. Uh, but anytime you do that, right, again, then now there's this retail retailization of it uh, as, we're, as you've coined. And that is now it's just a money grab. And when anytime there's a the testosterone store, and, <laughs> anytime there's that, there's, there's all the questionable things that can happen in that type of a model, right? Uh, from the products themselves to the services to the money that you spend, where it's coming from, whatever else. And I think there's a couple things driving this. I think number one, the consumer market is driving the shit out of this. I mean, again, we just go back to like, well, I, if I can get this stuff and it, I don't have to go through a doctor and go through that whole pain in the mm-hmm. ass, like this, this, ma- this makes sense. Mm-hmm. The other part is it's not like these the products that we're talking about inherently when we look at what they're you know what they do and and so forth are altogether bad. Some of them, again, we already mentioned like the one like Ozempic. You can literally get online and order that shit Mm -hmm. now in most cases or a version of it, let's just say, of semi-glutide, as you mentioned. But uh, that that, a little bit of a challenge by uh, with based on what we're kind of seeing happening or playing out here. Mentioned that before. But things like peptides, again, testosterone replacement, those kinds of things are getting, uh, I, I think are starting to look like they're getting a little bit out of control. And so the consumer's driving it, and because the consumer's driving it, places like doctor's offices, uh, the FDA, right? Drug companies are catching on to this, and they're not getting their piece the way they were getting it before. Uh, you know, insurance companies aren't getting their piece the way they were getting before. And so they're starting to run uh, interference on this stuff, which is going to drive demand because supply for certain people will go down particularly like here in California. Like if you're, if you're running like a legit, say longevity, uh, you know, let's say rejuvenation type clinic where, you know, you're going through the right, the proper processes, whatever those are in the state of California, they're now starting to block things like peptides in the state with regard to the labs that they're coming from. They're telling you, you cannot work with this lab that's out of state. It has to be a lab in state. And then of course they're going to the lab in state, the ones they want Mm -hmm. and the ones they don't want. And they're dictating what's happening here. It's making it even tougher for the legit doctor who's trying to do it the right way or practitioner uh, who's trying to do it the right way. And I'm not saying some of these other things aren't good. I'm just saying these guys are trying to do it the right way. They're going, what the fuck? Now I you've just taken money out of my pocket. I'm trying to do the right thing by my, my client or my, my, my customer or my patient or whatever else. And you just made it tough. So what do you think they're going to do? 
Like eventually they're going to have to make some decisions. And if they don't, guess what their patient's going to do? They're going to go. They're going to make yep. some decisions. So if you're one of those people that's kind of thinking about this or have been you know, playing around, I would watch out for that uh, as we go into this next year and beyond uh, because you're just starting to see it kind of show up everywhere. And I think you should be very cautious about that. Let, let's look at like the this calorie restriction piece and where it's hidden into kind of the weight loss market. Uh, like like severely restricting calories. And when I say that, I just mean eating way under what somebody's total daily need is in order to achieve a like a specific weight loss or even fat loss goal. Because I think people sort of understand this like at a conceptual level now. They just don't understand how it's kind of woven in to this diet tribe that they may have, or you know, uh, uh, adopted, or trying to get into, or these different kind of practices that are going on out there. And I'll give you an example. One of those would be like uh, time restricted feeding, which we've talked about this, right? The TRF or intermittent fasting, however you you kind of want to put it. But I'm going to preface this with with this: fasting can be very beneficial for a lot of different reasons for certain people. Intermittent fasting is one of those things where it ends up being just a calorie, less calories than the person was eating before. Now, whether they go into deep calorie restriction on that intermittent fasting or time-restricted feeding, that could be a different thing. But that's an example of what I'm talking about when we go into like, okay, so I've adopted this new thing, time-restricted feeding, but what it's really turned into is restricting, severely restricting calories, which... Equates to weight loss in the short term for a while until it doesn't. But that's one example. Yeah, I I mean, I I guess the when it comes to yeah severely restricting calories, I think people are not fully aware of the of how individual your daily caloric need could be. So I think you know we just jump right to a thousand calories or Mm -hmm. yeah eleven hundred calories with no understanding of your gender, your amount of muscle mass, like your particular, your particular needs. So, I mean, the range, you know, we, we start with our basal metabolic rate, which vast majority of people have absolutely no idea what their basal metabolic rate is, which is not surprising. That's not something that is like, you know, common knowledge that we're chatting about. What's your BMR? Oh yeah. (laughs) Mine actually increased to 50 calories. Yeah. Um, so people don't understand that, that the BMR is essentially your floor. That's essentially the bare minimum amount of calories that you should be consuming. And then on the other hand, they also don't understand what their true maintenance calories are. So really that, that gap between your basal metabolic rate and your total daily energy expenditure, aka your maintenance calories, that's the area that you should be playing in. But instead, we, regardless of gender, of age, of body size, we just Oh uh, yeah, uh, 1100 calories. That's like yeah, cuz 2000 calories is that applies to everyone, so we go to 1100 and that's how I'll that's how I'll lose weight. So I think that but that it what it actually boils down to is people don't even understand when they are severely restricting calories how much they're even eating. Yeah. So that that's what I encounter often is people don't even know what the numbers are. They don't know what any of these numbers are. They don't know what they're eating now, they don't know what they're eating before, they don't know their range. Right. They have no quantitative basis for anything that they're doing. It's just, "Oh, I'm just going to eat less and eat salads." And that's how I lose weight. Yeah, it's a slippery slope and, you know, again, the 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 awareness piece is the, is the bigger piece. So yeah, like, am I restricting severely restricting calories? I didn't realize that. Like I always, I, you know, I only eat 
1500. So I only chopped it down by 300. I'm, so now I'm eating 12. Like, is that restrictive? Like they don't, they really understand that concept. So they may have been restricting calories at 1500. Yeah. This, yeah. Which is what I was just going to get back yeah. to. That's exactly what I mean. So I think it's, it's an awareness piece. So yeah, be, be aware of, you know, as you're going into your diet season, you know, or whatever it is, you're, your cutting season versus your bulk or whatever it is, what does that actually mean for you? Uh, uh, because it's not, these are not, ge- these are terms that get generally talked about that have a lot of nuance and specificity based on the individual with, you know, that, are, that should be outlined inside there. And yeah, this, so that's a big, that's kind of a warning uh, because guess what? We will be having the metabolic adaptation conversation with you. Again, we will be talking about things like reverse or recovery diets, Again, because these principles do not change. They are the same for everybody uh, in general, but just like the how much should I be eating? Uh, how much do I need to put back in in order to get back to what I should be eating? That's a that's a conversation that, that, that ends up uh, ends up happening as well. So yeah, just be careful as you're getting into these things this year going. Because yeah, you restrict your calories to a thousand thousand calories for two weeks, you're going to lose some weight. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to that's going to be validated on the scale, and your friends oh, are going to yeah. tell, "Oh God, you look like you're losing weight." Yeah, until you don't, and until you're so downregulated in, in certain areas of your life and in your body where you are miserable, stuff starts happening, and you're not going to that 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 hole that you've dug yourself. It's that's a tough one to dig yourself out of. Did we do a hydration episode? I, don't, I feel like we did, but I'm not sure. Maybe we talked about it in pieces. I don't think we did, but it, that definitely was a trend this year in terms of like the supplement industry. Mm-hmm. You mean it with was. regards, to, yeah, like uh, the electrolyte stuff and yeah, hydration? Yeah, like everyone came out with an electrolyte product this year. Everybody. <laughs> You're right. They did. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, maybe I wasn't paying too much attention to that. I mean, I know I, in the last two years, I've used, I've used more electrolyte product not being an endurance athlete mm-hmm. as compared to, or as compared to when I was in, like when, when I was just doing the endurance stuff, like that was just a staple. It was happening all the time. It was going in a bottle for a ride or a yep. run or a swim. Same. I was, I was also making sure that I was, I was getting my electrolytes throughout the day. And then obviously like at race or event time, like that was critical. We had to have all that stuff on board. So I guess I never really thought about it, but yeah, this year when you start to look at some of those products out there, speaking of the Rob Wolfs and, you know, element and, it's in all the pre-workouts now and, you know, uh, you know, intra-workout stuff now. Yeah. A lot of the kind of mainstream sports nutrition companies Mm -hmm. that in the past have been focused on like crack pre-workout are now all of a sudden like, we're more focused on your general health. Here's a hydration product. It has coconut water. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, it was the pink Himalayan sea salt thing or Himalayan salt thing. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah. What do we want to say about hydration? It's fucking important. I mean, you need to drink water. The poor, I think the thing around these products is, and there's there's probably science to support this. Just like just because you're drinking water doesn't mean you're hydrating. Yep. Yeah, and you can actually dehydrate yourself by drinking too much plain water. Right. So, what's the general rule of thumb? You know, in terms of like how much electrolyte stuff should we be taking? I think a general recommendation would be like having some type of electrolyte supplement, particularly if you're working out, right? And uh, climate issues will will dictate a little bit of this as well. How much of a sweater you are. Yeah. Where you are. It's like, I was, uh, not, wasn't too long ago. I was out in Arizona and I was drinking a ton of water. I was getting the, and I didn't realize this. It just dawned on me. Like after I've been there about three days, get freaking worst headaches. And I was like, man, you know, I'd, and then it dawned on me, I'm very dehydrated. Like I felt dehydrated. I wasn't peeing. Like mm-hmm. that was a headaches, not peeing, right? Drinking water. Something's going on here. 
and uh, was staying with our, our good buddy or um, near our good buddy, Tony Ryan. And he's like, dude, here's some electrolyte packets or whatever, but fix me right up. Fix yeah. me right up, like literally in hours. Uh, and so there's something to be said for, for, for this. It's not that the, those products are bad. Just watch out for them. Like they don't need to be in everything, yeah. right? They don't need to be in everything. Maybe well, they are in your pre-workout or your intro or your, you don't need to be doing this all day long. I was going to say the other thing too, with some of those packets is, um, looking at what else is in there because there's some that I've picked up and there's so much sugar in it, yeah. believe it or not. And I was actually kind of surprised. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean. I'll just call it out like liquid IV, I think has been surpassed. I think that was kind of one of the biggest yeah. products that hit the market as like the electrolyte, you know, uh, the, the, the Costco electrolyte product. And I think now people have become more aware of how much sugar was in the original one. And now they have a lower sugar version, but yeah, the, the products aren't necessarily a bad thing or this extra emphasis on electrolytes and minerals is not necessarily a bad thing, but it definitely became a trend for whatever mm-hmm. reason this year, yep, at least in my, my observation. Yeah. I mean, some of the good ones, I, I like Element. I like, I like Rob Wolf. I like his products just in general, but, uh, I think they do a pretty good job. That's one of them. Um, I, in, in, in some of, I believe like in some of the other, like I have used an intro workout one that's got a little bit more electrolyte in it. We'll tell you, you know, when you're looking for those electrolytes and minerals, uh, one of the things you want to watch out for is the magnesium that's in there. Um, that they, that they the put type in the, of magnesium. Yeah, you want to want to touch on that. <laughs> well, I guess I'm assuming you're alluding to like if it's a magnesium oxide or something like that, yep. and the likelihood of disaster pants, especially yep. if that magnesium oxide is in something like an intra workout where it's also mixed with maybe some like simple carbohydrates. Oh, Boom. <laughs> yeah, the the bubble guts are sure to are sure to come to your door um, yeah, pretty did. quickly. So I learned that and it took me a minute to figure it out, but uh, I learned that and it wasn't like during the workout. Like I didn't have a problem there. It was yeah. about two hours after, after dinner, because I, I work out later in the day, yeah. was after dinner, like I was really uncomfortable <laughs> and uh, eliminated that stuff out of there and that fixed that right up. So <laughs> the, it's the it counterproductivity <laughs> of trying to stay hydrated. It was, and an, then, it was an unscheduled visit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then to, to what can happen. So the types of, of like magnesium and things that get put in there. So good quality products important, but also understanding while the product I was taking was good quality, the ingredients weren't, weren't, weren't uh, agreeing with me. Uh, and so things to, things to be aware of. So as you're putting those in, I would not go out and buy a five pound tub of electrolyte at Costco for, you know, because you were able to get it for 10 bucks. Uh, you might be, you know, you might find out about, you know, two scoops in that your five pound tub just should just be put back in the toilet because that's where it's going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's where it's ending up. <laughs> Flush yeah. it. Research on cardio and sort of the, the some of the downsides that can come along with doing too much. Uh, look, there is actually a lot of research on this. And I think as we're looking into 2024, I, it doesn't appear to me that people are doing too much cardio out there in the United States of America if we mm-hmm. try to keep this semi-local. I mean, I think I, I heard somewhere, or maybe it was David when he was on the podcast, he was talking about like, some people just need 90 minutes of exercise a couple or a week, a week. A yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there, there are dangers in this. I have, I made a statement on a podcast one time uh, and it got cut into a clip and it was about folks that had died uh, in some of the cardio based classes in the, in the big health clubs that I worked for. And that I was, I was there for a couple of those, but working for the company during a few others. And it got a little bit off track. I mean, the, the comment section got wild as they typically do uh, on occasion, but, but uh, it, the, the, the context of it was more about taking care of yourself, uh, particularly as you age and 
how people tend to gravitate towards certain things. And, and the, and the cardio, the cardio component can be, can have a diminishing, you know, a result on it in terms of cardiovascular fitness and the work that your heart and your cardiovascular system are doing. Now, I don't want to scare anybody and we're not going to get into any of the deep stuff that, that goes on there, but I have, I have read and, uh, there's actually, I'm not a massive fan of this dude. Um, but I, but I'll drop his name here. I think he, I think he's done a lot of great things for the, for the industry. Uh, his name is Ben Greenfield. Some of you guys probably know about mm-hmm. him. Um, who, who are listening out there? He's he was kind of the original biohacker uh, before some other people tried to to make that claim and and uh, I, I believe have failed miserably at it. Uh, that's in in their own brands. That's just my own opinion. I think Ben Ben came at it from a little bit of a different angle, and he was actually an athlete who actually trained, who actually does the stuff, who actually does the experiments on himself. And does it at a very high level and gets other people to to work with them on stuff. And the point of this being is, is a book. Um, what's the book? What's the book called? CC, do you remember? Uh, no, but I see that there's a heart on it. Yeah, I forget what it's called. He actually goes into this a little bit and he does bring up some of the research articles. Uh, and he, he, I think he makes it like sort of accessible. So if you want to hear about some of that beyond stuff. Beyond training. Beyond training. Yeah, that's what it is. I thought he did a pretty good job with the book. There's a lot of stuff in there where I think he goes way, way out. On, into into space on some things. If you're a triathlete, I think something that you can gain a lot from. But the point of this being is like you know, cardiovascular fitness can is not not necessarily healthy all the time. Or cardiovascular training. Uh, I don't see a lot of people overdoing their cardiovascular training, like in general, sort of in the fitness industry. But as you get out there, sort of um, maybe in the field of life, and you see the folks out there that are big runners, big cyclists, things like that, that don't balance their training. Um, you can see literally looking at them some of the negative impacts that overdoing that type of training or not balancing your training against some of the other things that are very important uh, and some of the things that happen to your body during long bouts and consistent, consistently maybe being under-recovered and overdoing it on the, uh, the cardiorespiratory side of things. You can see them on the folks that are actually out there doing this stuff. And uh, yeah, so Beyond Training, Ben Greenfield is actually a good book. You, you don't have to get very far into it to actually get into that portion of it where he, where he covers that if you're, if he, he loses you, which he, he can very easily do if you're not into this game. Yeah. Gadgets. I've talked about gadgets, you know, my own experience with gadgets on the, on the show. We've talked about everybody mm-hmm. shared their own experience about gadgets, but the unproven ones that are out there. The bottom line is the gadget shit isn't going to stop. Like, so there's always going to be something uh, because... There's something to be sold. So somebody is always going to come up with something new uh, with regard to the gadget piece. It's interesting with this, with this question, because I always, whenever I get other guests on the show that are, that are strength and conditioning, human performance professionals, this is what they do. It's how they put food on the table. And it's what they've been doing their, their entire careers. I always ask about the gadgets. Like, is there any cool tech or gadgets that you're using? And almost always no, I would say actually always there's always, yeah, but it's not. There's always the caveat. There's always, yeah, there's always a, a yeah, but, mm-hmm. you know, and the things that I hear, hear them use, using are are things like the last one was, you, I think you mentioned Casey Glass. We talked about she, she does use it like an, an oxygen monitor um, that, uh, you know, it's about the size of a, a postage stamp and she can put it on the working muscles and track some data there. It's fairly new tech and, um, and it's a little bit interesting, but that's for a very, very specific client or, uh, uh, 
market segment, if you will, that's trying to achieve a very, very specific thing. Is that practical for most people? No. If somebody's trying to sell you an oxygen monitor for your workouts and your, and your job is to go to a bank every day and, you know, and, and, uh, and do whatever people at banks do all day. Bank stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I don't, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you want to spend your money on it, go right ahead. But again, and this turns into like, do you actually know why the hell you'd be wearing that? Like, do you understand all this stuff? Because in Casey's point, she's like, so when I have questions, I actually call the guy who actually invented the device. <laughs> uh, and so unless you have that kind of a line or direct mm-hmm. line of communication, and this is a professional who does this every day. Yeah. Uh, it probably doesn't, probably isn't super yeah, important. How are you interpreting the data? Yeah. If you can't even interpret it yourself, then what good is it? This goes back to your, your statement about there's no, there's not an issue with getting information. Mm-hmm. Like we have too much information and you can yeah. get lost in the sauce and the mm-hmm. paralysis by analysis type of, type of thing. Um, have I, have you guys heard of anything new kind of coming down the pipe? I haven't heard of anything new coming down the pipe, but you know, um, one of the things I was thinking of that I hadn't really given much thought to is marketing to kids. Oh, right. You know, because um, that has happened, especially with the little, I think it's kind of like a Fitbit or something along that line, um, where it's very simple for the the kid to use. It has like a little little alarm on it and a clock as well, um, but it tracks their activity. So marketing to, to kids. To the kids. Or to the parents uh, for the good, kids. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, I mean, it, it's... I don't know. It's it's kind of sad, I mm-hmm. think, in a way that like you need some sort of gadget to incentivize a child to play like that. Like, I I'm sure I was getting all of my steps when I was nine. Right. You know, like I, it wasn't it wasn't a concern of mine. Like, oh yeah, well, I got into zone three while I'm playing tetherball. Like that's you know. Yeah, you answered the question the way I would have answered it, mm-hmm. and that is like, does a kid need to be validating their 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 fitness through tracking data, uh, I, I would say no. I think they need to go outside and fucking play. That's what yeah. they need to do. They need to get outside and play and have some fun. So I'm not sure, like, I'm really into that. So I would be where I'd be cautious of that as a parent. Like, why would I be doing that? So the kid feels, you know, because all the other kids are wearing them and you don't want them to feel left out. I got, I got, I got news for you. I love <laughs> so, so, so my sister-in-law hit me today just with like Christmas gifts and stuff. And, and, uh, like, uh, so I saw that, uh, that our 11 year old put our 11 year old mm-hmm. Callie put the, put the Nintendo switch on her. Thing. Absolutely should, should I her? Not. Yeah, I go, I go, you, no. I, I go, no, she does not have that. And she's not going to have that. And if you buy any of that for, her, I will literally murder you. Like we don't, <laughs> this, we don't do that. The point of that is, is like kids, I think need less electronics in life. And that doesn't make me better than any other parent. I'm just saying like the longer you can go without your kids getting into that kind of stuff, I personally think is better. And I get that there's a social thing there and that the kids are connected that way and whatever else, but get outside and play, have some fucking play dates, make them go outside and do some stuff. I was talking to a couple of clients the other day and they're like, yeah, so, you know, what do 11 year olds want right now? And I said, well, I can tell you what my 11 year old wants, you know, she wants a Nintendo switch and she wants a uh, iPhone. And nope. I'm like, and neither nope. is she getting yeah. absolutely hard. No, they're like, what? Well, why not? And I'm yeah. like, because like that becomes her world and she becomes so fixated on it. She needs it, activity. Yeah. So it's interesting. We're talking about this on the kids. So just kind of slipping it back to, to, you know, maybe the more of the adult population, it's the same problem with adults. Mm-hmm. They just get fixated on it. Right. And then they're, they're validating everything based on the, on that thing. And then again, they don't even know what the information means. So, uh, you know, does your kid need to know how many steps? Like are step counters like 
uh, cool and important and validating and all those things. Yeah. That's the one thing that I have my, my watch telling me on a daily basis. It's the one thing. Like I always get excited. It's just buzzed at 10,000, you know, or whatever. Uh, it's because it's just like, it's kind of a reminder. It's sort of like the making, your, gamifying. the making your, your bed type of analogy. Like yeah. if you do this, then you, you, you've kind of accomplished something for the day. Yeah. Kind of, kind of deal. Check the so, box. Yeah. You've checked the box. So I get, I get checking boxes, but you know, as you're going in and you're, you're hearing about any new fitness gadgets, I haven't heard of anything new. They, you know, uh, you will see improvements, I'm sure, to things like the gadget that you might already be wearing. Uh, be weary. Do you really need to make the investment on the next thing? It's like the fucking iPhones, man. Like every two, three years, they come out with a new one. And it's, of course, you know, like you see it. God, you know, it takes better pictures and whatever. But does it though? Like how much better does it need to be? How much more information do you need to have? How much money do you need to be spending there? Uh, maybe get a fucking coach. Yeah. You know, get a coach to help you, you know, instead of spending 800 bucks on a new watch or a new 1600 bucks or whatever they cost now on a new phone, maybe get a coach, maybe buy into a program that's organized and will help you understand what maybe some of the, the really the important pieces of data really mean for you so that you can apply that not just now, but for the future, you know, again, the coach doesn't have to be forever. So maybe it's a one-time investment to steer you onto the right track, to put you in the in the right place, you know, get into a program that can help you get organized and that isn't around centered around a gadget. However, I will tell you, I get where gadgets can, can, can be helpful. They can really be helpful for the coach. If you're working remotely, as an example, like our, our online membership program and our, our fuel you, that is uh, our fuel you program, any, basically any remote coaching program that you're doing with us, uh, we, we connect through an app, right? And within that app, you can also connect gadgets and, you know, if you are using them so they can be helpful for feedback and keeping the coach sort of informed and you informed and aware of kind of where things are. So I, I'm not, I'm not altogether saying those are bad, but it, you know, maybe invest in something that helps you force multiply the gadget and the information that you do have to actually be valuable for you, for you, instead of going, Oh, if I just had that, I would be fit, you know, or if I just had that, I would lose more fat or whatever. Cause the reality of it is, this gadgets aren't really doing, doing any of that for you. That's the time people buy these things. They don't even use them. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, wild and thousands and thousands of dollars later, you know, they're, they're, they've got a very expensive, basically treadmill on their, their wrist or, you know, or whatever that they, they don't actually use. It collects laundry in the garage or in their bedroom or whatever else. So think about that. Yeah. The other thing I would say is like, if, if you're trying to make decisions about getting, getting things done in 2024, the thing that always gets prioritized and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it always winds up right in front is just exercise right? Mm -hmm. Find the right exercise program, find the right gym, find the right, you know, the right cycling class or whatever, the thing that's going to keep you motivated. Somebody asked about the event or the competition, you know, that thing, the nutrition component and the things that you can gain exponentially by understanding what that means for you can exponentially like increase whatever kind of commitment and consistency you're getting from your your, your exercise program. And we're not talking about just like an aesthetic result. We're talking about actual performance and longevity results. So like, I think people often overlook that or they minimize it. Well, I'll just go back to what I was doing before, which really wasn't working anyways, uh, or that we wouldn't even be having this conversation. 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's always more, uh, there's an immediate gratification that comes from the exercise component. And I think that's why people tend to gravitate towards that more. There is a little more of an immediate reward in terms of endorphins. There is a little bit more of a, I don't know, a, a visible result in that, oh, I'm sweating, I'm sore, I'm this, I'm that. So this is working. I'm, I'm doing the work. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the thing versus starting a nutrition program. A lot of times the first few weeks are really just kind of like untangling a lot of different things and kind of finding your baseline and kind of finding some type of rhythm, kind of identifying where you need the most work, you know, what the priorities should be. So there's, it's a little more of a slog for a lot of people, but ultimately it is going to be that, you know, use the term force multiplier earlier that is going to really create exponential results from your, from your workout program. So that one cannot be successful without the other. Agreed. I think like, you know, we've talked about, we use the term like frameworks and with, with exercise and all the programs, whether you looked at like our online membership, you looked at even actually having a personal trainer through us or a coach with a personalized program, you know, remotely, you looked at like our self-guided programs, like strong and max there is something to be said about being able to give a general framework that will be successful for most people when, when you're looking at, at, uh, at, at exercise specific, when you're trying to drive a specific training effect or result, build muscle, build strength, lose fat, those kinds of things from the exercise component. And most people like from a conventional wisdom side of things, they get that, like they understand that if I just do these basic things and I kind of just stay consistent with it, I'm going to be, I'm going to be really successful. Obviously, there's some individuality that goes into that, but you're, 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 it, you can be sort of generalized and get a great result out of it. Same is true for nutrition, but very quickly you start to rec- recognize the individuality that, that has to be recognized in order to get off to the right start. And once you're on the right start, the general principles tend to apply. Tend to apply. But that starting point is so important. And so if you don't... Yeah. Variable to yeah, each person. 100%. Like in every component of that needs to be taken into consideration because it all matters. So I think that's where people kind of get lost and get frustrated at the same time. I think getting lost, it leads to frustration uh, most, most frequently. And then it just kind of, it either leads to like a completely throwing up the hands or like adopting something that's like too rigid, neither of which is good. And so they're, they're again, where here we are frustrated and lost, you know, again, on what they should be doing. Uh, here's the shameless plug, get yourself in a position where you can start to learn more about you and learn more about a formula that might work best for you. And then once you kind of understand those things, you know, you get into that kind of an environment, then what you can do is you can start asking more informed questions to give you more informed answers about what your next steps should be. And to your point, Stephen, this is usually where people kind of get like a little, it's a little bit of a, that slog they start to get lost in. With Feel You, we try to make that as easy as we can by starting with, let's ask the right questions up front and let's really be real, as we'll put it, or, or, or honest about the answers to those questions. Examine the past, examine where we currently are and examine where we want to go. What are your personal preferences? If you don't like broccoli, then don't fucking eat broccoli. It, it's, <laughs> broccoli is not going to make you or break you or anything, those kind of things. If you want to eat keto, you can eat keto. If you want to eat vegetarian or, or vegan, eat that way. You want to eat carnivore, you can. But we're going to put some information in you in, in, 
or help you gain some information and some knowledge along the way about yourself and about nutrition that hopefully puts you in a, p- a position to understand whether or not is that truly the right decision for you to be making? Or if you're making that decision, does it make the most sense for you? So when you look at it, when you look at it, it's really like an educational program, but it's really about setting people up for longer term success. It is not going to be, you know, like if I do this, then I automatically get that. I would, I would never sell or claim to never sell a program like that. I already mentioned that in another, another podcast or another question that we had, like there's no cookie cutter to this, Mm -hmm. but when we look at like that first initial stage process, that's what fuel you is for folks. It's that proper foundation. It's laying the proper foundation. It's asking the right questions and whether you continue on with, you know, trying to discover what that looks like for you or not, you will gain value from that. That is the one thing I can guarantee. Uh, You might not like the answers you get, but the answers will be the right answers for you in a lot of ways. You make the decisions on, on where to go with that. So you'll be more informed. Yeah. You can do it a couple of different ways with us. Like we, we on a quarterly, we've been running this in a group format. If people like to get more hands-on with the coach, um, Steven's involved in that coaching process. You can do it remotely from wherever you are. Uh, it's done in a group format. You get the program, which is if you're doing it self-guided, it's 30 days, but it could be 30 months Mm -hmm. or weeks if you wanted it to be. We just like, again, that slog, if we could make it as short as we could, right? As painless as possible and get you the most success uh, as possible. We find the people that do that, you know, really dedicate themselves to doing it in 30 days. We go through a bunch of history, math, science, mindset, psychology stuff uh, to help you through there. There's lots of tools uh, within there. There's some video presentation. We try to make it engage as engaging as as, as we can for 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 our folks. But the the group feel you adds more of the human component back, so you gain some feedback. Yeah, I mean, I think the the self guided program is. As described, that would be the self-guided program, the self-paced program, that if you would like to take it at a slower pace, kind of more of like the introductory program. And then the group program is the is the facilitated version of that foundational program. So you're going to get at least some FaceTime with a coach, some additional guidance that's sort of the, the intermediate between purely self-guided and self-paced and actual one-on-one coaching where you're obviously going to get the most individual attention and it's going to be the most quote unquote uh, intense um, or the most involved. So the group, the group uh, version is that nice stepping stone. If you think that you're going to wander off, if you're completely on your own, but maybe you're not quite ready or quite, Mm. uh, you're maybe a little unsure uh, if the full one-on-one coaching is what you're looking for. Yeah. The, 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 either way, when you come out of there, that, that'll answer, like, if you're wondering, like, do I really need one-on-one coaching? That's a great place to understand that or not. Uh, and it, because you're going to go in and you're going to be in, in front of working with like Steven in a one-on-one, uh, uh, coaching perspective, because the things that you will have covered in that first 30 days, those are the things that we, yeah, we cover. That's the same stuff that ends up getting covered with everybody in the first 30 days, regardless of what your goals, backgrounds, limitations, and all that stuff is. So yeah, go to uh, rdffeelyou.com. You can use uh, FeelU20 for 20% off. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Iron Sights. If you enjoyed our conversation, you can support our mission by hitting the subscribe button, leaving a review, and sharing the podcast with a friend. I'll see you on the next episode.